0: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
1: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
0: Learn more at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact. Welcome to episode 445 with uh, my guest Murph. This is a rerun of an episode recorded in 2011, I think it was maybe our second episode Ever or maybe our fourth episode. Very very early on, um, the the month of July here is a best of collection. As I'm taking some much much needed time off, I'll be back next week. Our first week in August, be back to releasing new episodes. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. If you've never tried online counseling, you should definitely check it out. I, I really love doing it. It's uh, so nice not to leave my house. My therapist helps me work through a lot of stuff very gently, and uh, she's very wise and compassionate. So uh, if you want to check it out, go to betterhelp.com slash mental, and then fill out a questionnaire. And if they have a counselor they think is a good fit for you, they'll match you up with one. And then you can experience a free week of counseling to see if online counseling is a good fit for you. And you need to be over 18. Uh, Today's episode is sponsored by Crazed. It's a new podcast created by the National Mental Health Innovation Center and it highlights big new ideas in the world of mental health from how to transform mental health treatment to prevention and stigma reduction and the visionaries behind these ideas. Uh, The two hosts are uh, Matt Vogel and Rick Rickadall. Uh, Matt is the Founder and executive director of the NMHIC, and also a former professional stand up. And Rick is, uh, or was, the senior executive at DreamWorks Animation. And their guests are familiar with the impact of mental health, both personally and professionally. And you'll find compelling stories, information about cutting edge mental health technology, and uh, just great dialogue about difficult issues guests include policymakers, nonprofit leaders, researchers, technologists, filmmakers and more. And the ideas and stories presented on Crazed are the kind that you dig and we'll probably be talking about long after you've heard the episode. So, you can find Crazed anywhere you get your podcasts or on crazedpodcast.com. Subscribe and listen today. And uh, here now is the episode from 2011 with my guest Murph. Welcome again to the Mental Illness uh, Happy Hour. Uh, I am sitting here with my friend uh, Murph, who uh, I, I, I'm going to call him Murph because I think it would make him more comfortable uh, to just use his nickname than to get into. Uh, I, I think it will be easier for you to answer honestly the questions about your past um, uh, if if we just go with your uh, your your nickname. Um it's funny because when I met you uh Murph about what was it five years ago uh, yeah, we have a mutual like mutual friend Jamie uh, who who introduced us and you're somebody that I, I I I looked at you and I said this guy's been to prison this guy is not to be fucked with but there's something about this guy that I really like and I want to get to know and it's funny because if, here five years later, you're somebody that I feel so safe around, whose company I enjoy so much. Um, I, I'm sitting here in a house that you share with a, a, a beautiful woman. You guys are both uh, in, in recovery. You've both been sober. You've been sober for five years, mm-hmm. right? Yep. She's been sober for 20 years. You have this beautiful house together, and uh, I was, I was, you were showing me around the house, and I'm in your walk-in closet, and it occurs to me you used to live in a room no bigger than that walk-in closet in prison how many years did you do in prison uh
1: it's it's around 15 i have i had an 8 a a, a 5 and a 4 and then a couple of little ones for uh-huh. all violations and
0: yeah what uh, were the
1: big ones for the first one was an attempted murder the second one was a battery with great bodily injury and the third one was also uh let's just say a hands-on crime
0: okay (laughs) all right another hands-on crime um is it it? Am I safe in saying that? And I think I've heard you say this before. None of your crimes were ever committed against women or children. Not that that makes it any better. But for some people, I think there's a line uh, where uh, your, your 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 crimes were never of a sexual nature. They were mostly for money to feed your your drug habit. Is that is that? Right. Am I correct in right.
1: that? I don't. Yeah, women and children. Were and sex crimes is okay. you know, below the line. Okay. I, uh I, you know, I mean I came from the school of if you're gonna take you take from someone who in my twisted head should be able to protect themselves. Yeah. And and, and if they can't, yeah. well then they shouldn't have what they have. Yeah. You that, know, that's how I used to think. I don't yes. think that way anymore.
0: I'm, I'm glad because uh, <laughs> I was I was doing as soon as I started doing this podcast, I thought Murph would be a, a great person to have on this on this podcast because um, he has a history that, if you looked at it, you would say this person's uh, either a psychopath or a sociopath because there was seemed to be no empathy towards uh, his victims. He, he he took what he wanted, um, and you started. Was it safe to say by the age of fifteen you were you were uh, committing crimes?
1: I. It was more. It was probably 16. Okay. From from the age of, you know, from my birth, to 16, I was in. You know, I mean, I come from a good family. I was instilled with all of the things. And
0: that's the part that blows my mind. Is is you come from this kind of warm, nurturing yeah. family, and you chose this life of? Is that just the drug addict in you? You think that that you? I don't. How have, did you? I don't know how it happened. Ta- take I, me, take me back to your childhood. Tell me, give me, give me some snapshots from your, from your childhood that you think would help paint a picture for the, for the listener to understand.
1: Well, I grew up in a middle class, Roman Catholic, hardworking, Irish, uh, you know, upbringing, uh, in Brooklyn, New York and around the New York City area. And, uh, I had all of the, you know, all of the things that you're supposed to have growing up. There was toys under the tree at Christmas. There was Little League. There was uh, Wee football. Um, there was church. There was Cub Scouts. There was Boy Scouts. There was all of that. And uh, there was family vacations. There was a summer house. There was a winter house in the city. Um, it was all pretty normal. It was kind of like a, a 1960s Brady Bunch existence. Mm-hmm. Mom was always home. Dad worked. Um, and, uh, you know, it was pretty normal. There was pets, you know, I got two brothers and a sister and, uh, things were pretty normal while, you know, sports was a big thing for me. I played all sports when, you know, when one ended, another one began, Mm -hmm. It, it was all about the sports. Um, that's what I did. Um, how it all went, I don't know. I guess when I started to get a little bit more freedom and I and I grew up in a neighborhood where I would look out and I'd see uh, older guys in the neighborhood, mm. and I was just drawn to what they were doing.
0: They, they seemed to have power.
1: yeah, they people had,
0: looked up to them, they were yeah. afraid of them.
1: They had you, cars, they had girls, mm-hmm. and they never seemed to work. Mm-hmm. And my dad would go off to work. He was gone before I would get up in the morning, and he'd come home, you know, at seven o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, you know, those guys—they had Mm jewelry—and I was like, you know, I kind of—I didn't grow up wanting to be, you know, despite my upbringing, I didn't grow up wanting to be the policeman, the fireman, the astronaut, the you know, naval Mm -hmm. commander. I wanted to be one of those guys.
0: Right. And do you think the 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 fact that you were small for your age and, uh, you know, had red hair, do you think that made it more alluring to be one of those guys that, that you would feel safer being one of those guys? Well, I,
1: I absolutely do because it had, you know, it was a, uh, I also had a, a, a bad speech impediment uh-huh. while growing up. So not only did I have the orange hair and the freckles I had a stuttering problem too, so I I, I never felt um, comfortable, uh-huh. and I was never included. Yeah, you know, I, I always felt different, and you know, I mean, you know how kids are yeah. w- when we're young; they're quite cruel. Right. Um. So there was a lot of taunting and a lot of, you know, and I just didn't. Um,
0: at, what, at what age did you uh, become? Uh, because you're you're a, you work out, you're uh, a, a fit guy, you're muscular. You're somebody that I look at and say that guy—that guy's not to be fucked with. At what age did you transition from the kid getting picked on to the guy not to be fucked with?
1: Well, you know, I'm—I'm I'm not really sure, and I don't even really recall the years that my—that my stuttering problem spanned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that it was—it was probably fifth grade through the seventh grade Mm -hmm. and unfortunately for me i learned during that period that if i couldn't get you to stop Mm -hmm. doing what you were doing to me through communication Mm -hmm. i learned very quickly that i could get you to stop if i imposed my will upon you or if you were you know that big if i pick something up and whack you with it
0: really so you so you became you went the crazy route you 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 kind of said, "Well, I'll just be crazier than than everybody, and I'll intimidate them." Uh, well, I
1: don't I don't know if it was a conscious thought, but I right. just wanted the teasing to stop so yeah. bad right. that I was willing to do anything to make it stop. You know,
0: it's it's it, it, you remind me of a, a friend of mine, also from New York, who was small for for his age, and he said that his secret was he would just go further than everybody else he would be at a bar and if it looked like it was going to come to a fight he would break a bottle over his own head and say come on motherfuckers and he said you can't believe how many people that would you know that would back down and and he comes from a a uh family he told me a story one time where his some bigger kids had stolen his bike, and he came home and he told his grandmother, and she said, "And and you didn't fight them?" And he said, "No." She said, "Why didn't you make them a sandwich too, you faggot?" And I was like, "Wow." <laughs> now I understand the breaking the bottle over the head. But your family wasn't like that. It sounds like your family was supportive, but it was you know that pressure of being the the kid with the stutter and the red hair. And, and wanting to wanting that, that power so it was it was alluring and that and that seemed like to you the, the path to safety or to at least to happiness
1: well i i think this is uh you know I, I mean i i think i figured it out over the years what happened was i i got sprung on the the feeling of of i can get what i want
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If I push hard enough, right, and if I, you know, I mean, if I do, you know, and and I learned that I could solve my problems through violence since I couldn't communicate, right, and you know, I mean, that it didn't really work. I mean, it worked in the short. It gave term. you the I, illusion that you were solving your problem, right, and there was consequences always attached to it. I mean, when I was growing up, I had a a, a jar on my shelf next to my sports trophies that had teeth in it. Because every day after school, I'd be fighting from people going ah, 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 and you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was just miserable. And there was lots of days that I came home crying. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that they were, you know, and and back in them days, whose teeth? Who other people's teeth? Yeah, <laughs> children's. You know, you know the. But
0: people, your people your age. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah the, the people that were going. Ah, 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 ah.
0: And you just pop them right in the mouth, and their teeth would fall out. Well. Or you'd hit them with something, and their teeth would fall
1: Yeah, out. or they'd get on the ground, and you could stomp them. And back then, I mean, we're talking 1970s in, in the city of New York. It's not like California, where if you point your finger at somebody the wrong way, they're calling the police. Back in New York, a fight between two boys was standard. It was part of the you know the program. It, yeah. it, it was you know, so it wasn't like. You know, and it wasn't lawsuit-happy California either where their parents right. were coming over mm-hmm. saying we're going to take it. You know, it didn't work like that.
0: So no parents ever came over to your no. parents and said, your kid knocked my kid's teeth out. No, never. I mean, I was asked to
1: to leave school one time. Yeah. Um, you know, but for the most part, these things happened off school property. Yeah. On the way home, I mean, it was set up during the day. You know, you knew you was going to fight that kid at the end of the day. And all of the school children would go and watch. And it was, you know, and I'd come home and I, you know, and I, me and my mom. How many
0: teeth did you have in the jar?
1: I don't know, you know. But I know that there was, you know, maybe an inch and a half's worth in the bottom of this jar. And I remember coming home and showing my mom god the different teeth at times and i'd laugh and i'd say look this guy had a cavity in here because there was all kinds, yeah you know like there was the front ones and there was the bicuspids and there was the little pointy one here on the side and there was you know I, you know there was all different
0: kinds of so ones. you were either going to be a criminal or a dentist one of the two <laughs> your path was your extraction path was, your path was set
1: uh, you know you know i mean i even get um a little warm talking about it because those were bad times for me i mean i i uh you know and i'm sure that those things that happened then uh i carried through my adult years and you know i mean that was a very traumatic time for me i mean i didn't what I didn't,
0: what, what is the warm feeling about the fact that you were protecting yourself
1: n- no i think it's the feelings of
0: you mean a good warm feeling or a bad warm no feeling? a bad warm feeling oh okay
1: it it, it, it it just kind of talking about it, you know, because I don't talk about that often, mm-hmm. you know I mean that was the worst part of my life that that couple year period when kids were just so you know mean mm-hmm. you know I, I said it was awful I mean yeah. that you know that probably led to my use of drugs because all of a sudden that leveled the playing field, yeah. and I was included, or yeah. the illusion yeah.
0: that's so that funny I was included. that you mentioned that because I remember distinctly. Going uh, freshman year, I I had it with Catholic grade school. All my friends were going to the Catholic high school. I was tired of uniforms and nuns. I said, I'm going to go to the public high school. Thought I'd be able to make friends. I couldn't. Turns out the only people that would hang around with me were burnouts. So I started smoking weed. And I remember distinctly thinking to myself, these people are just hanging around each other. And me specifically, because I've got drugs. There is a false friendship here. That is really subpar, but I'm going to have to accept it because there really isn't anything better for me. Do, yeah. you, do you feel like that, that um, was something that kind of went through your mind or, or was the illusion that this is great and this is exciting? I think I, I just
1: like the fact that now I was a part of. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was that kid with the stuttering problem. Mm-hmm. Once the drug started... I was accepted by that crew, and then shortly, sometime after that, I don't even really recall. I'd have to ask my mom and dad when that happened. That my speech problem went away, mm-hmm. and you know, I, uh, you know, I didn't really think much about my speech problem until that movie when that guy won the Academy Award, the Shine. King, the King's Speech. Or, oh
0: right, right. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean. That was me at a young age. Wow. Oh, my God, that was me. I mean, I seen that movie and I was in the theaters and I started to get that same warm feeling. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, you know, I mean, it was a it was a difficult thing, but, but the weed and the alcohol just kind of made it all, you know, that rushed over me and I didn't feel, a, you know, different. Mm-hmm. I felt like, ah, oh, yes, this is my elixir. Yeah. You know, yeah. now good
0: okay so then what led to beginning to to commit crimes was it just because the 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 group you were running around with it was those guys that you looked up to were those the people that you had started hanging around with well yeah
1: they it it was no secret in the neighborhood that that i was always fighting Mm -hmm. so of course um that brought out the other people and, and everybody knows everybody in the neighborhood and i used to see these certain guys and and i was asked one time i guess i was 17 and by this time i'm already selling narcotics and i got me a little name mm-hmm. and and i was a
0: narcotics what, heroin
1: uh no it was cocaine weed mm-hmm. mescaline mm-hmm. you know smaller type things at, mm-hmm. at at that time well the cocaine wasn't small it was jumping at that time um
0: and, and you were dealing small quantities,
1: large yeah, quantities? Small quantities. Yeah. And I was approached by this guy who I had seen around, and he asked me, did I want to do something a little bigger? Mm-hmm. And then we went to this bar and we sat down, and he started to talk to me. And uh, he said, Look, he says, if you get in here, he says, you're in the major leagues. He says, You know, things will change for you. And. I was like, wow, you know, because growing up, I think unconsciously, I had always, you know, like I said, I didn't want to be an astronaut or anything like that. I wanted to be one of them, and being in a crime syndicate had a certain, mm-hmm. you know, uh, attraction to me. Yeah, and uh, when he asked me, did I want to get in, and I was like. Well, yeah, I want to get in. And then I went home and I talked it over with my brother. And he said...
0: Older brother, younger brother? Yeah,
1: older brother. He says, you don't want to get in that, Jimmy. And I said, hey, I says, things will change for me. You know, and I was always the one who had to defend myself. And I knew that if I got on this team, now all of a sudden... I am somebody, mm-hmm. whereas for all those years I wasn't anybody. I was just this little redheaded kid with a stuttering problem mm-hmm. who had to fight his whole way, and you know would go home crying some days. Mm-hmm. Here was a chance for me to turn it all around and be somebody, which was, you know, now, you know, that I think about it, thirty years later, mm-hmm. you know, it. Uh, Half of it spent in jail It was a lie. Yeah. You know, so when they came to me and asked me, you know, and I, you know, and of course I was like. Well, how is this going to work? I, I I can't possibly get in because I'm an Irishman, mm-hmm. and I ended up working on on a crew, and they called me a tri italian mm-hmm. you know, because pretty much that's who I hung out with. Um, most of my friends were Italian, uh, you know. We were in an Italian-Irish neighborhood in New mm-hmm. York, so it's just what we did. There was numbers being run and all of that kind of stuff, like you know, similar to what you. Seeing that movie, A Bronx Tale mm-hmm. with Robert De Niro. I mean, yeah. I, I can relate to that story yeah. a whole lot. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I had a penchant for violence, and I can tell you that um, not only psychologically did it uh, appear to solve my problems, but but I kind of enjoyed it and got off on the, the I don't know the power surge, the rush, the you know The and, false respect. Yeah, all of yeah. that. And then when I got with these guys, one of the first things that this uh, guy told me, he says, you know what? He says, you don't ever have to fight again. He says, as long as you have, I think he said 20 cents. Because at that time, uh, uh, it was 20 cents to make a pay phone call.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it might have been a dime. Was it a dime? Yeah. It was either a dime or 20 cents. And he said, all you need to do is make a phone call. And I was like, really? And then I was given this one bar that was mine, and, you know, I was, you know, and really, I mean, they were just setting me up. I mean, I didn't know it, but I was being used, you know, but I thought I was somebody, and, you know, I bought in. Right. You know, and I was all good with it. You know, I mean, I was, there was little perks involved, and, you know, the word got around the neighborhood, hey, you know who, you know, Murph hanging out with, and, you know, and, you know, I'd be on this side of the bar with, you know, other important people mm-hmm. you know and it was just you know my my brother was like i i asked him after i had gotten in um, as far as i could get in for an irishman i came home and i asked him i says hey tom i says i can get you in if you want to get in and he said he said the smart thing he was my older brother mm-hmm. he said why do i need to get in if you're in
0: <laughs>
1: and i said wow you know and that's wow. That's that's how that went.
0: So when did uh, your your plan begin to uh, start backfiring uh, on you? God, it didn't take long. Uh, it,
1: it was, you know, I don't even, I don't know specifics here because it's a, a time in my life that was a, a big blur. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, I'm under the influence, you know, this, this whole
0: time. What, and and uh, did you, was heroin ever a drug for you?
1: Yeah, but it, we only used heroin. I mean, it was the white stuff. We used to call it doji back in them days, and we used to only sniff it to come down from the cocaine.
0: Mm. cocaine. So cocaine was your major drug of choice? Well, it's what
1: it was the major drug that I started out with. I mean, I don't consider weed and masculine and right. mushrooms and all that stuff. You know, that was just like hors d'oeuvres mm-hmm. you know the main ones was the cocaine the heroin the mm-hmm. methamphetamine those was your meal right
0: you know the rest <laughs> of it
1: was hors d'oeuvres right. you know little little stuff in the candy dish some mushrooms some mescaline some acid that was just you know makeup you know yeah. to um and, and it was cocaine and we were freebasing it back then i mean this is when you couldn't even buy a rock on the street you know, right. they, you know, there was no such thing. So this so, was
0: this was the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, then. yeah. We the would, Richard Pryor "Set Yourself on Fire"
1: years. Right. Yeah. You know, and it was three hundred dollars an eight ball, twenty eight hundred dollars an ounce. I mean, it was very expensive, very, very expensive yeah. at that time. It was the time of Studio Fifty Four mm-hmm. and the Mud Club and CBG. Were you These ever providing hot.
0: drugs to those people?
1: Um, I provided drugs all over. I, you know, I, I was sent many times. In a limousine to Atlantic City mm-hmm. to deliver narcotics. I mean, I you mm-hmm. know I, I shouldn't use the names, but let's just say there was at least three big Motown acts mm-hmm. that that I uh, um, handed off drugs to. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of people in that circle. You'd be surprised. I mean, yeah. I, I was always surprised. Yeah. I was like, who? Yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. I was always surprised.
0: So one of the one of the uh parts of your past that fascinates me is the bank robbery. Um how many how many banks have you uh have you robbed?
1: I've only I walked into one and one was burglarized. Oh, so just
0: two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cuz well, I, uh, I I I thought it was no, like no. this history of uh no, no, of no, bank no. robberies. Uh no. Walk me through uh, both of them. And, and the setup, the planning, what you were feeling, what was going through your mind, well, all can, of that.
1: I can tell you this. The 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 main feeling was fear and terror. I was scared every single time.
0: So it, it wasn't your idea. You were part of a crew right, that was going to do right, it. Right, right, okay. right. Okay. And what was your role in the robbery?
1: Um, in In the walk-in robbery... The door was my responsibility. The front door. Yeah. Two, uh, two other guys handled the other stuff because one guy was brought in from Texas, and he had a history of doing these things. Mm-hmm. So it was him and his his henchmen, and me, I was the new guy, and the guy out in the car was the new guy.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Just like the movies.
1: Yeah, it was training.
0: And the in the guy in the car is the fuck-up, right? <laughs> well. That's what it always is in the movies. <laughs> He's you know looking at his watch or you know he he the is up too late the night before and he falls asleep in the getaway car.
1: Well, they're always going to kill the guy in the movies who yes. makes the least amount of money first.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know you got to keep the stars around. Right. But the star is never the getaway driver. Right. Unless it's the Fast and the Furious yeah. or something like that.
0: So, uh, so you're at the door and you're guarding the door. And what what are you supposed to do? Uh... You know what. If if shit goes down, are you supposed to shoot people or what what did they tell
1: you? What they tell me and what I was willing to do was always two different things. I mean, I wanted to do what they wanted to do and I wanted to be what they wanted to be, but I wanted to minimize, you know, I didn't want to do, you know, I I wasn't a psychopath. I just, you know, I mean, I, you know, it was... Um, fun and exciting and it was a rush mm-hmm. but with as little collateral damage as possible you know i mean it, it well
0: i would think 99 percent of criminals feel that way too and that's probably what they tell themselves uh you know i i think a lot of people that that commit crimes or are uh engaging in behavior that is uh, immoral they they kid themselves in saying I don't, you know it's not my intention to do this. They judge themselves by their intentions and not by their actions, and that's how I think a lot of times we. For me, I lied to myself for years by saying, well, it wasn't my intention, you know, to do this, to to be a right. fuck up, to be an asshole or a drunk or you know lie or cheat or you know do do whatever. But you know you 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 find yourself sometimes. Um. Not, not not living up to your I- intentions and in cut and cutting yourself some uh, yeah. some slack instead of really taking a good hard look at uh, at who you who you've really become.
1: Well, well, I would go in hoping that it would go easy and mm-hmm. it would go well. And did um, it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank God for that. You know, because my my life and my career could have been. I mean, I might not. I mean, I'm so. Blessed to to just be sitting here talking about this in in this uh, house and in this life that I lead now. It's just it's an absolute blessing. But um, I would hope th- that it would go well. But at the same time, I was willing to do whatever it took mm-hmm. to succeed at the mission. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I was always able. We're going to pause. Uh, pause I, for a second. I, I was always able to compartmentalize my, I guess, my feelings. Uh, you know, and I always, my mantra was, uh, "It's business. It's nothing personal."
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dog snoring is just killing me.
1: <laughs> well, well, I'm glad she's she's comfortable. I mean, this is really. Uh, this is hard
0: for you to talk about
1: well i haven't talked about it in 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 this kind of detail in mm-hmm. in a long time it's it's part of i mean have i confessed to god and done all of that yeah but i uh you know i'm i'm absolutely different mm-hmm. um you know 30 years later um at at that time um those guys were like my heroes and and my role models, mm-hmm. and, and I wanted to be like them, and I wanted to ascend this criminal ladder, and I wanted to be the best possible criminal that I could be, and I wanted the reputation, and I wanted the girls, and I wanted the mm-hmm. money, and I wanted the cars, and I knew that I was only going to live to thirty five, and I was good with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, have have I shed a lot of tears? Um. Um, behind the things I did when I was young, I absolutely have. Mm -hmm. Um, am I sorry for it all? Yeah. Um, sorry enough to go and, uh, throw myself on the mercy of the court? Absolutely not. Yeah. So, you know, I guess that discounts all of it. I guess I'm really not sorry. Um, you know.
0: I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily, uh, the, the case. I could, I, I could be wrong. But I look at you and I see somebody uh, who has turned their life around and is of use to society now, whereas they were a cancer on society. You're sober now, and you know you're. I, I see you inspire people uh, who are struggling uh, to to get sober, and you show people that it. it It's never too late to to turn your life around and uh, and become a person that you thought you could never be because uh, I can't picture you doing these things. I can intellectually because, you know, you got the tough street guy voice from New York, but, you know, the Murph that I know, I know you talking about your girlfriend and how beautiful your life is together and how you want to be a better man for her. And how when your neighbor bitches about the hedges that you hold your tongue and, and instead of you know not only do you not pull a gun out and not threaten them you don't even lose your temper around them and to me that's a person who has value in society because you can inspire other people and, and say you know what you can be a, a, a decent, upstanding citizen, and it doesn't mean that you're, that you're a punk. And you can live with yourself as long as you become of use to society. I think – and maybe I'm wrong here, but if you hadn't started helping people and being an inspiration to them by helping other guys who are trying to get sober – do you think that you yourself would 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 be able to live with yourself? Do you think you'd go back to doing drugs or committing crimes?
1: Um, well, I know if I didn't admit my wrongs, yeah, uh, you know, and 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 try to you know leach them out of my system and you know a- admit to them and tell somebody else about them, uh, you know, because keeping those secrets is difficult yeah you know it's difficult i mean it's got to
0: eat it's got to eat at you
1: you get good at it for years and years and years and you you know repress it so much and 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 you push it down there and it's easier with drugs and alcohol when you are pouring that kind of stuff on it mm-hmm. but but, but that, that catches up to you eventually yeah when you take away the drugs and alcohol then you have to deal with all of yeah. this stuff
0: um, so what, what what would you tell uh, the chances are probably rare that there's a, a, you know a psychopathic drug addict listening to this podcast right now but what would you say to a, a, a kid that's maybe 16 17 he's starting to run in those circles he's got a little voice inside of him that's saying this is headed someplace bad but he doesn't know what else to do what advice would you give him because he's getting off on the power of it, and and maybe he's feeling picked on. He's feeling powerless, uh, and, and and he doesn't he doesn't know where to to turn. Is there anything that that you would say? If you, let's say you had a little brother that looked like he was following in your in your shoes, what would you what would you tell him? Hmm. Well, Pull out a gun and threaten him? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, um, you know it. Whatever I would say probably wouldn't work because when you're, you know, for me, yeah. when I was that young, the the peer pressure and the, you know, I mean, only only after I, you know, got a little older and I learned from these mistakes and I was able to look back and, and say, good Lord, what did I do all that for it? You know, that has enabled me, you know, to make the choices that I make. Today, Because back then, Mm -hmm. I I didn't believe what I was doing was inappropriate Mm -hmm. or, you know, incorrect. My morals had just disappeared with with drugs and, you know, I mean, so, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, what would I tell somebody who was heading down the same path that I headed down? Well, I'd probably start out by telling them, you're making a mistake, Mm -hmm. you know. Everything you think is good right now is, you know, you know, you may mm-hmm. not, you know, you may not be as lucky
0: yeah. as I am. Do you think describing uh, prison life in detail to them, just describes the, the shitty parts of prison life in, in, in detail, if you would?
1: The shitty parts of prison life, <laughs> as opposed to the great parts. <laughs> the shitty parts of prison life. Well, first off, would be no females. Mm-hmm. I mean there is sex available, you know, dependent on, mm-hmm. you know, who you are and, you know, um, you know what you're willing to live with. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you want to elaborate on that? Um, or are you not comfortable? Well,
1: you know, I mean, uh, the, there's sex going on in prison. You can believe that.
0: Yeah, I think um, everybody knows that.
1: Most of it is willing. Yeah. You know, I mean, there is that saying that... Uh, uh, if you bend them over and put a Playboy book on their lower back, every asshole looks the same. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, I mean, you know, some might have a little bit more hair than others. <laughs> I mean, I ain't never seen a female with a hairy asshole, but there's razors. <laughs> you know, um, other bad parts. Well, you push your tray along the chow line, and you get whatever lands on it. You know yeah. there is no menu. Mm-hmm. Um, other bad parts, the politics. For me, some of the politics. You know, you don't agree with them, but but when you're but in you got to stick with
0: your yeah. with your race because that's a it's a survival mechanism in prison, right? It's, right. You don't choose whether or not you're going to hang out with the white guys. You're there. There's no other option. It's well. No, am, you, am I wrong in that?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, you can choose who you want to hang out with, um, but if you don't hang out with your own, mm-hmm. you'll look down on by your own. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and my personal opinion is if you're white and if you hang out with the blacks, you're not getting the full black experience either right. because you're not black. right? They know it. We know it. Mm-hmm. You're not getting any love from us because we're thinking you're a race trader. Right, you know, I mean, f- for us, someone's probably going to get you, right, you know, you know, because you make you know the mentality in there, God, I mean, I you know, all of these things, you know, the crime, the jails, all of this, I, I have trouble talking about it today for for the simple reason of it, uh, I am so far removed mm-hmm. from that today that you know how and but
0: you've also only been out of prison for what five years right but spiritually you're so far removed from it right talk talk about the importance of a of a spiritual belief uh in, in in your life if you can or is that is that difficult for you to 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 talk about
1: um well i'm not uh you know i have a spiritual life today um it's not as good as I'd like it to be. Um, no, I really can't, you know, I mm-hmm. I really can't talk about that in, in depth. I mean, I, I feel it mm-hmm. and I know it exists in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but can I, um, tell you or, or your listeners about right. it? No, I mean, I have one. I know it exists. It's with me every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk to him every day. Um, but, I always had a concept of God. I mean, I was mm-hmm. raised Roman Catholic. I mean, I went to church every single Sunday until I was old enough to say,
0: nope, I'm not going Sunday morning. Oh, isn't that the greatest?
1: Because there's a football game on. Yeah.
0: Isn't that the greatest? <laughs> well, for me, I started getting high and, and uh, instead of going to CCD, and that was the best trade-off in the world because uh, while I believe in God, uh, organized religion, was always, uh, for me, Catholicism, the, the, that God was just too much of a vengeful, uh, God f- for me to wrap my head around and to, f- and to feel loved by. And, uh, it, I, I think for a long time, I let that definition of God push me away from, uh, believing that there is something out there. Now, I, you know, I don't believe that there is a conscious entity up there with a beard, you know, saying this person's right. going to go here. I believe in, in in energy in the universe that we can either ignore and have a more difficult life and swim upstream, or we can align ourselves with it by listening to our conscience and have a much more fluid, easy life. That, that to me, is my, my concept of... of of God, but and and I guess the reason I'm saying this is I don't want to alienate people who are listening to this podcast and say, oh, this is going to be a religious uh, a, a podcast. It, you know that is that is not my intention. You know I'm I'm probably prejudiced against organized religion um, to to a degree that I need to be more open minded towards it. Uh, I still have some bitterness uh, uh, towards uh, catholicism um but you know that's that's my own issue but i think they're all i think they're all the same they're different doors leading into the same room which is aligning yourself with the universe you know so if if people get it through church i think that's awesome if you get it through uh yoga or meditation or you know what whatever um Uh, I think that's all. As
1: long as you believe in something, I mean... Something uh,
0: greater than yourself in the pursuit of your own pleasure. Right. Uh, That, I think, in, in our society, I think it is one of the biggest dead ends is we think that if we just directly pursue our own pleasure at the expense of other things and other people, that that's okay and there will be more pleasure. But what we find out is we're going against the grain of the universe because the universe wants us to think about other people and then the byproduct of that is that we get to experience not only pleasure but peace of mind and the freedom that comes with believing that we're leading a good life and we're we're good honest people and i think that's one of the reasons that i that i like you so much is I see you live in that, and it's such a miracle. It, it to me, it's a proof that there there's there's an energy in the universe that can do amazing things if you choose to learn a new way of life. Be vulnerable, open up, talk about the bad things that you did to another uh, human being, and and try to think about. Try to think about other people. You know, let's look at let's look at this woman that's in your life. Talk a, a little bit about your life here in this in this uh, beautiful beautiful house.
1: Well, I met this I met this woman probably three years ago,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, she is just she's an angel. Um, she knew that I was uh, on the construction at. You were a fixer upper
0: when yeah. she when she found you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See but what? she must be into tank tops. I'll tell you that much because uh <laughs> I you know I think the first time I saw you wear sleeves was at a wedding and I'm and I'm not even sure you know I wasn't even sure you were going to put sleeves on for that.
1: Yeah. Um, so go ahead. Uh you know what um uh yeah I I I was definitely a fixer upper but I think what she saw is the same thing that most of my friends today see and that's the person that or the, the 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 product of ages 1 through 16 yeah i was raised in a good home with all the morals the principles and all of those things that a normal you know adult you know mature human being should have And then from 16 to 44, I made my own choices, totally discounted all of that stuff, the nurturing that I had learned in the nest. And now that the drugs and alcohol have been gone for five years, in these five years, I have reverted back Mm -hmm. to those things that I learned from one to 16. That's what she sees. That's what I believe my friends see today. Um... I just took a little vacation, you know. You know, I.
0: It's funny because your your previous vacations, you know, used to be behind bars. That's how right. that's how the criminals refer to us. So I took a little little six yeah. year vacation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know,
1: I, I mean, you can go to my parents' house and look around the living room, and there's photos, you know, and they're chronologically, you know, and there's Christmases and there's oh at this wedding and this and. You know, and there's the baby pictures, and and it starts, and there I am. I'm in all, you know, growing up, and I'm on an elephant in this one, and I'm in this, da-la-la-la-la. I'm next to my brother there. And then when we start to be, I guess, when we start to be 20-something, you go one wall in the house, and there's all the pictures, and I'm not there. Wow. And then the next wall in the house I'm not on that one either but everybody else is mm-hmm. you know I mean you would think that I had died yeah and then finally I've resurfaced and i um, now I'm on you know so that's where I, I I took a vacation and and I wasn't me yeah for all those years the true you right and now um I'm back to who I am that's what she saw in me because there was no way that I could land a woman like this, right you know if, it. she would have sensed yeah. instantly well, she sensed that um that there might have been a somewhat checkered past
0: <laughs> oh, is that the understatement of the century? you think the prison the prison tattoos and the uh and the hardened look in the eye you think
1: uh yeah well she t- she told me I had a terrible haircut, and she says you dress penitentiary chic. <laughs> that's that's what she called it. And I was thinking to myself, did this bitch just tell me that I got a fucked up hairdo and that she doesn't like the way I dress? Yeah. You know, and that just made her more attractive to me because I, you know, yeah. I, I wasn't used to being talked to like that. Yeah. Um, but she's an angel. Um, you, you know, when I met her, I had never been in a healthy relationship. Yeah. All of my relationships were very superficial,
0: you know, uh, Probably because it was all about you and what you were getting.
1: Yeah, and it it wasn't a relationship. I mean, I don't know what the time uh, constraint is to you know for yeah. to for it to be a relationship. But most of them were, you know, I'm I'm, I'm sure there were some of them sh- short-lived relationships where I'd be hard pressed to remember your name. Yeah. Because I wasn't really caring
0: mm-hmm.
1: what your name was. I was caring about one thing, and then as soon as I you know as soon as that happened or I got that. It was, see you later, bye. I got something to do. Yeah. You know, Um. Uh, back in those days, I couldn't have had a healthy relationship with a houseplant. Yeah. Um, you know, Um. she's, she's, she's awesome. I love yeah. her to death. As, as a matter of fact, um, in these three years that we've been together, she told me it would be like this. I didn't believe it when she first told me this. Mm-hmm. She said, it will get better. And I was like, what do you mean it'll get better you know uh, and she's right yeah every day it seems to get better and i've never been in anything quite as feely mm-hmm. as this you know i mean this is you know and i'm you know i mean i'm new at this too you know she teaches me all about these things and uh god bless her i mean she's been a she's been a great influence in my right. life um she's She's quick to point out in a very nice way um some other things that she thinks I should work on, yeah to you know to better my character, and she says them in in such a way where I don't bow up and get crazy i you know it it might hurt or sting at the time she says it, but i I usually don't fight mm-hmm. you know fight her too much on it because my personal opinion is if is if most of the people in this world acted the way she acted it would be a really really cool place to live wow um i i, I believe that about her so much that you trust uh,
0: her instincts right that yeah.
1: that when she convinced me that i need to vote and i told her i says vote i don't i don't need what do i need to vote for no matter who you pick they're lying to us, and then when they get in there, the status quo in Washington is going to be what it is, and nothing yeah. ever gets done. So why do I need to vote? But she convinced me to vote, and I believe in her so much that I let her punch my yeah thing too, because I figure whoever she's voting for, you know, based on the person she is, you wouldn't, know, is is good enough for me. It would make a nice world.
0: Wouldn't that be funny if that's what you got arrested for? Was letting her vote for you? <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, you know, uh, I, you know, I hope I never get arrested again. I mean, I, you know, I mean, um, today I can also,
0: but you also haven't, you haven't committed any crimes since you've been sober in five years. The closest, Um, the closest you came was kicking a guy in the balls that, that that challenged you uh, uh, on uh, the the freeway.
1: Yeah. I had a fight. uh, I had a fight on the freeway uh, and I did go into someone else's living room uninvited because they owed me money from a job Mm um
0: Uh, a legitimate job a legal job yeah construction
1: um do do i think that's of a criminal nature no i don't i i thought i was well within my rights but what what i think and what the law thinks is two different things (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no 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 i don't you know i don't i don't break the laws anymore you know i mean there was a time in my life a lot of years where I thought it was impossible to go through a day and not break the law, I was like, "How do you do that?" Mm-hmm. You know, because the life I was leading—drugs and and violence and crime—it was it was a necessary evil. I mean, you know, you carried a gun every day. Yeah. Um, today, now I don't do crimes. Uh, I walk when the sign says walk. Um, I stop when it says stop. Um, you know, um, i um, um, I really kind of lead a Ward Cleaver kind of life. I mean, I got a 14 yeah. year old, not mine. Uh, he's hers. And, uh,
0: but you're a role model for him. I hear you yeah. talk about him and, yeah. and, uh, it's funny cause you're, you're closer to him than my own father was to me, the, the stuff that you share with him and the, the way you nurture him and the way you. Uh, guide him in the interest that you take in his life you know which just shows to me you know f- family and it's kind of a cliche but you know family is 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 who you choose not who you're tossed in with well, not that I don't love my family but it, you know
1: it's a f- it's a funny twist what happened here because i i had a good childhood mm-hmm. and then you know when I got to be 16 17. I put that on hold and I went and I did my own thing, whereas this uh, kid that I have now, he lost his father, His, his, his father wasn't a criminal, his father was an alcoholic and his father was clean for a little while and then decided to have just one drink, thought having one drink was a good idea and that one drink turned into many drinks. And those many drinks turned into a blackout, and then he he carjacked uh, a RV, and then he was on one of those TV shows going through roadblocks and everything. Long story short. Doesn't,
0: doesn't he know there is no worse car, getaway car, than an <laughs> RV? He should go to jail just for that.
1: Well, I mean, when you're on a blackout, yeah. you know, I mean, who knows what anybody's thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: long story short, he ended up killing two people. He got 40 to life. And a life sentence in California, uh, I don't think anybody has paroled ever wow. from a life sentence in California, at least not in the last 30 years. So he's never coming home. So that kind of makes me, you know, th- that whole picture kind of makes me believe that this isn't an accident. Yeah. You know, me meeting... My girl and then me being tossed into this who had a good childhood mm-hmm. so and, and who had good parenting mm-hmm. despite my adult decisions mm-hmm. for all those years. Um here's here's this youngster who has had a good childhood minus a role model. Yeah. And then here I come who knows how to um who knows how to teach this kid from the age of zero to 17 yeah and he's only 14 yeah so i can teach him what i know because i know something about that
0: and you know how to spot a bullshitter because you're well you know yeah don't you you can't bullshit a bullshitter
1: and i was a good student as as a child you know you know my dad saw to it yeah you know i mean you know Despite my track record, you would think that I, you know, that I had bad parenting. I did not. Yeah. You know, I have four, uh, three siblings, and they're, you know, good citizens. They get citizenship awards. Yeah. Um, me, I never got one of those. Um, You know, but.
0: Well, you're heading in the right direction. The game ain't it, over yet. I might, yeah. you know, I might get one here. Well, dude, I want to thank you so yeah. much for uh, for opening it up and uh, letting me. uh <sighs> Let me interview you. I know some of this was uh, was was hard, but I think uh, people will, uh, at the very least, find it interesting and entertaining. And uh, and hopefully somebody listening out there will uh, will hear this and uh, and become inspired by you. But you know, you've uh, this may sound cheesy, but you you inspire me, and I and, and I'm proud to call you my friend. So thanks, buddy.
1: Well, thanks, Paul. It was nice being here.
0: All right, now get that fucking pug out of my face. <laughs> And don't forget to go to the website, mentalpod.com. You could also type in mentalillnesshappyhour.com, but uh, you might get writer's cramp. So uh, go check it out. Uh, Read the message board. Post. Ask questions. Answer questions. Take a survey. Get crazy. Or stare at the wall with your jaw open.